everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Paul Johnson. We are the Last Nighters. You can find us at the Last Nighters or LastNighters.com and also on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. This is episode 151 of the show. It's Kevin Costner, Epic JFK. And of course, that can mean only one thing. It's the return of the great Peter R. Quinones for another round of Costner Epics. And uh, this should be a fun one um, of a very uh, tough uh, subject and plenty of stuff to go over in the movie. But uh, welcome back to the show, Pete. We've uh, had you on recently for mostly Kevin Costner movies and the wonderful Casablanca. For whatever reason, we cannot hear you. Hi, can you hear me now? We can. Yes. Welcome to the show, Pete. <laughs> Sorry, I was muted out. I was being nice. I was, be you know, norm normally I'm over here making noise, but um, happy for this one because this is one where Kevin just really gets to act where... Um, someone else took over all the other uh, roles. So, Right. Yeah, that was one of our criticisms of uh, The Postman, where it seemed like he was biting off more than he could chew. And uh, it it affected a promising premise of a movie and turned it into kind of a muddled mess mm -hmm. for the most part. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. Oliver Stone, great director, lots of good content here. And, and Costner can just focus on the one thing. And I would consider this one of his finer performances. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and he's done, what, 40, 50 films? Um, well, I actually have a list well, that... Can, uh, I, uh, can I add something right there? You can. I was thinking about this today, and maybe one of the reasons he did such a good job is because it's based off of a real person who was on the set. So all one of the things he could do was he could look at the person's manner, mannerisms and tics and everything and just copy them. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's Jim, a good point. Actually, Jim Garrison's actually in the movie, so yeah, he's uh, he's um, Warren, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe he's Warren. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's um, he's a super tall dude too. Uh, I, I was reading about him; he's like six foot eight or something like that. So Costner, of course, is nowhere near that. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, this I, th I think was rated number two on this list I saw of Costner performances, and I think when we talked about the Patriot. Uh, when he tries to be like this super macho dude or do this like dystopian kind of Mad Max style stuff, the, the just can't pull it off. Oh, sorry. Um, Postman. Postman. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Postman or Waterworld, things like that, where he's like this action hero. He doesn't quite pull it off. But when he's like an everyman, like all shucks kind of dude, I think he does it really well. Bull Durham, I think, is one of his better performances. Uh, and then this one. So anyway, before yeah. we get it. And there's no awkward like romance that's crammed into this film. He's already married, which really heightens the believability. I buy him much more as a father with kids than mm -hmm. as a romantic lead. So yeah, right. I, I kind of, I tend to agree with you guys. This is one of his best, best things. Right. And then that's a point I wanted to bring up uh, the, the family dynamic and him being so focused on his work. But before we get into that, we usually start with the Google description. However, uh, Pete, I know you've been on the show a number of times and most of our listeners know who you are already, but I want to give you a, a moment to, uh, let people know what your show is about and where they can find your work and uh, your um, your movie. Um, host of the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. This coming Thursday, episode 500 will be released, which is a, a milestone. And if you go to themonopolyonviolence.com, you can see a documentary that I co-executive produced with Chris Kofer and Robert Rex called the monopoly uh, the monopoly on violence just like the the address there and um 
I think a lot of people have really liked it. it has about 87,000 views on YouTube. And maybe one of these days, Amazon will be nice enough to okay it. Because right now it's in limbo. They haven't said no. They haven't said yes. And it's only been about 110 days. So, <laughs> How nice of them to, uh, to wait to give you that well, response. Well, C- Cody Wilson, when he put out his documentary on half of it was about building guns at home you know building guns at home and the other half was on bitcoin yeah they okayed that in two days wow you'd think that would be a little spicy for them yeah you know all right well uh and and one more thing before we get into the movie here i want to give you a thank you for helping coordinate and arrange our previous guest bob murphy of course uh, for They Live, we had a great discussion. That was our most recent episode. And right before that, we had Kyle Anzalone on for The Beast or The Beast of Wards, kind of given two different titles. And he is also working with you at the Libertarian Institute, which is a great, great website. And I really highly recommend that people do check that out as well. Thank you. Yeah. And Kyle, I was just on Kyle's show and um, made him really uncomfortable with some of the things I said. So I think it was a, it was a good appearance. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I usually mark my appearances down. So <laughs> how uncomfortable did I make the, the host? All right. Uh, well, let's get into the, the movie. And um, I was thinking for ratings, by the way, since there's some dispute on the number of uh, bullets used in the in the assassination attempt, there's a magic bullet and there's either three shots or six or possibly seven, uh, that could effectively be our rating system. So out of 10 uh, high-powered, you know, Sniper shells, something like that. So, <laughs> seems all right. I am totally dorking this up. All right, here we go. Uh, the Google description is uh, JFK came out in 1991, rated R. 1991, uh, I already said that. Uh, drama slash mystery film, three hours and 26 minutes. 8.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 84% Rotten Tomatoes, and 72% on Metacritic. 89% of Google users liked it. Description reads, this acclaimed Oliver Stone drama presents the investigation into the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, led by New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison, played by Kevin Costner. When Garrison begins to doubt conventional thinking on the murder, he faces government resistance. And after the killing of suspected assassin Lee Harvey Oswald, played by Gary Oldman, he closes the case. Later, however, Garrison reopens the investigation, finding evidence of an extensive conspiracy behind Kennedy's death. The release date was December 20, 1991. Director, of course, Oliver Stone. And it won a couple of Academy Awards. Uh, Stone was uh, very prominently... Um, he, he, he's a very uh, political guy. And he's done several films related to presidencies um, and, and whatnot. But uh, JFK, I think, is one of his most um, stronger efforts, I would, I would say. Uh, so, Robert, let's go to you for your uh, opening information, please. All right. JFK, what to say. Okay, so whenever you're making a historical drama, I think there's two different ways you can lean. You can either lean heavy on the accuracy of the event and just kind of give you the information of what happened, or you can go more like the James Cameron Titanic approach and like bolt on a romance or uh, some kind of extraneous story that's going to, draw your attention and really get you hooked into the what's just otherwise would just be kind of a boat floats boat sinks kind of story this movie i think leans it does a decent job in giving us some information about jim garrison and his struggles with you know doing this case 
but it's primarily an info dump of a movie pretending to be a historical drama. It is I, I, probably for most Americans, the first time it was for me anyway, the first time they were being exposed to any of this information, this alternative information about the JFK assassination. So you're basically leading uh, a regular normal blue pill person by the hand and you're presenting all this new information to you. And it's, it's such a huge story and a complicated plot that you just kind of got to dump rapid fire facts. And there's so many scenes where he's just rifling off facts. And you see the other characters in the film are kind of like take the place of the audience where they're like, no way, man, this is too crazy. You would never, this could never happen. The U S government would never. And then he's like, Oh yeah, guess what? Motherfucker. How about this? How about that? How about this? And then you're like, Oh, Oh yeah. I remember the thing that did it for me um, was the, the Zapruder film. It was just the key. And the movie ends with that for the most part, but it really was the, the back and to the left, which sealed it for me. I didn't need all this other stuff. All this other stuff is really good and really fun to speculate on. And there's a lot of seemingly speculation in the film, but when it comes down to it, if Oswald was in the book depository, like the official story says, there's no way beyond the magic bullet, which is hysterical, but the back and to the left kill shot, which you see clearly in the Zabruder film, couldn't have come from Oswald. So by definition, it's a conspiracy. I see that it's not necessarily damning to Clay Shaw. And like, I, I don't know the exact ins and outs of that court case and why he was found innocent or not. And I could see how, but I think, you know, Garrison's main point wasn't necessarily to convict Clay Shaw, but it was to open up this information to the American people to get them talking, get them interested in this uh, incredible period in American history. And uh, yeah, excellent fodder for a film. I think it's a fantastic libertarian film. It just mm. shows the horrific, uh, you know, power at play with uh, political authority. So uh, yeah, it's, I mean, what else to say? There's so much to talk about. Let's get into it. Uh, I might have just blown my load right now. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> let's 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 go off on whatever whatever you guys want to go. All right. Well, that's that's great. And I I think that you brought up a bunch of stuff that will be plenty to talk about for the length of our show. It, it's it's amazing to me how quickly our show goes by. Like I usually look down I'm like holy crap, we're out of time. And I'm sure that'll happen tonight. But uh, I just want to say that I think that uh, Zoolander solved the case. And it was the two lookers over there on the on the grassy knoll. Oh yeah, right. Two uh, fashion 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 uh, <laughs> models who are always the assassins. Yeah, yeah, the Manchurian candidate style. And I I, I like that this um, brings up a lot of these kind of ideas that the government can be working in league against the American people and hiding things from people. It's obvious that they do it, especially today. But back then, it it was probably unthinkable. And uh, all of these operations go on NK Ultra. They talk about Operation Mongoose. There's Operation Paperclip. There's all sorts of things going on that uh, are behind the scenes and, and have more recently been declassified. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to mention before we go to Pete for his opening is they seem to Oliver Stone said that he read the Warren report and, and uh, he wanted to provide an alternative myth because he believed that the Warren report was a myth itself. So he wasn't necessarily trying to make the his, historical document, but more of just 
something that competed in the narrative, but was based on historical information provided in Garrison's book and also a book by Jim Mars. But uh, I'll, I'll direct it over to uh, to Pete for your opening on this as well. This movie can be really distracting when you take into consideration the all-star cast. I mean, Kevin Bacon, John Candy, Joe Pesci, um, Donald Sutherland, it just these people keep popping up. Michael Rooker. Um, Michael Rooker, one of the most underrated. I mean, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, Michael Rooker. Um, it, it was it's so distracting at some points because I'm like one of those people who notices actors and I'm like, holy crap, holy crap, that's and everything. But um, I would say the one thing that really stuck with me and um, I think it's already been mentioned is that it really seems like the trial was about the assassination itself, because there are some very odd segues where Costner will just be going great, you know, all this information. And then he'd be like, then he'll pause and he'll be like, and that's why we believe that Clay Shaw. And it's almost like Shaw is an afterthought. So to me, the whole movie is really about trying to expose a, you know, a conspiracy and basically using this guy as a, just the vehicle to do it. So mm, like Ron Paul using uh, his campaign as a platform for education. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, this is way more libertarian than I thought. Holy cow. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a lot to that. And one of the, I guess, theories that they bring into this is that Kennedy was going to pull the U.S. out of escalations of hostilities in Vietnam. He was going to cut the CIA into a thousand pieces. There's other things that I'm, I'm aware of uh, ancillary to the film, but he was talking about... Um, changing the currency structure from the Federal Reserve to either uh, issuing uh, green notes himself or returning to a gold standard. I don't recall exactly which, but there's a whole bunch of reasons why the deep state might not want this guy around much longer. And so you have motive and opportunity kind of presented here. And other things that are kind of presented uh, is that the motorcade's course is changed at the last minute. The local military base is told to stand down and not provide any supplemental uh, security. It's it's very 9-11-ish. And all of yeah. these things just conveniently are in place uh, for the events to happen. And you'd almost think that, okay, one or two is kind of a coincidence, but seven or eight or nine or ten, somebody's pulling some strings here. Yeah, for sure. And in any time you got an event this big that you're going to have to use all these different elements, you, you want actually to have a variety of elements you can pull from. I think you, you got the Castro Cuba angle. You've got the mob angle. You've got the government. You got uh, the vice president. You got all kinds of different people coming together and so that different people can go, oh, well, it was the mob. You could you could you could put blame and assign it wherever you need to at any given time to really throw the suspicion off of you yourself. Well, then it came down to, in the end, I think when Michael Rooker, his character, I think it was Boudreaux. I think his character's name is Boudreaux. It's just like, you have all of these organizations, the mob, you know, the CIA all working together. He's, that's insane. You know, but I mean, who knows? I mean, <laughs> who knows what it would take to assassinate a president? 
Right. But the, the lone nut theory seems to be the least likely, sort of like yeah. the 9-11, 9-11 commission, as James Corbett says, is a conspiracy itself. Like you'd have to be crazy to believe their story, their version of events. And I think that's what Garrison saw in the Warren Commission, uh, especially with the magic bullet being the explanation for the number of wounds and the number of shots allegedly fired. And I, th- I think Stone made a point to uh, include the scene where the woman is being interrogated by the Secret Service saying, no, there are four lights or there's only three lights or whatever. You know, the Picard thing yeah. where he's he's like implanting a false memory into this woman. Basically, you heard echoes, right? Yeah, you heard echoes. And this is the thing that that they do, like psychologically, you can implant memories into people, you can make them believe uh, with uh, enhanced interrogation techniques, and even just repeating something over and over again, and make people believe that they saw something that they didn't see. Uh, There's a famous like gorilla experiment, where if you have people like bouncing a basketball, and you say to uh, the subject, hey, count how many times the basketball bounces during this video. And they have a gorilla go through the back of the of the scene and they go, okay, did you notice anything weird? Did you notice a gorilla in the movie? They're like, no, because they're so focused on one thing. So if there were six or seven shots, but they're telling the witnesses that they only heard three and then that witness begins to believe that that's the story, then there are only three bullets. And so um, it's like you said, Robert, it's impossible for where Oswald was purported to be, the sixth floor of the Texas Book Depository building, to have fired a bullet that would have hit Kennedy in the front of the face, where he goes back and to the left, like in the um, the Magic Loogie scene in the Seinfeld. I had Wayne Knight in both scenes, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I love that cultural reference and I love the, the Zoolander reference. So I wanted to bring those up. Uh, and the lone nut thing comes from a, a Rothbard um, lecture that I have. And I'll post that on our show notes page. But he considered himself a bit of a uh, an aficionado of studying the um, JFK assassination. So I'm going to see if there's any more uh, things that he has said or written about it and, and include that as well. But anyway, where did, where would you like to go next, Robert? Well, we could talk about Jim Garrison. Um, multiple times in this show, we have been faced with characters that aren't exactly, I would say, minding their own business or minding their own room. And Jim Garrison is a guy who is... In the very beginning of the film, he is very blue-pilled. Even though he's a prosecutor, DA guy for the city of New Orleans, you know, you'd think he had seen quite a bit and dealt with a lot of corruption. It wouldn't be too surprising. Yeah, he seems like be, a white-eyed idealist. But he was, yeah, he was very much like, what? <laughs> they would do that? What? And then at one point, uh, who was it? Um, tells him he's so naive. The Another so- amazing- Sutherland? No, the crazy act, the amazing, the guy that's in, um, uh, the clean, clean guy, odd, odd. Oh, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon. Yeah. He tells him he's so naive because he's just this wide-eyed prosecutor is like, what? And he doesn't really kind of paints him as a guy who doesn't know what he's getting into. But then as he is investigating, he, it's quickly kind of turns and is like, no, no, no. Oswald didn't even fire a shot. He was just this, 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 and these other guys did it. And he realizes, you know, especially when Bobby Kennedy gets killed, that 
these people are really are serious and he could be in real danger. And his wife, Sissy Spacek, right? She mm-hmm. at one point is like, this is too much. This is crazy. Not only are you putting our kids in undue danger, you're barely even seeing your kids because you're so wrapped up in this, this, this case where it's just consuming your life. And, you know, I kind of liken it to becoming a libertarian, becoming, you know, really red pilled on a lot of this information. I remember when I first became like a libertarian and having conversations with people and I was in my kind of evangelical phase and I'd be telling people about this stuff, maybe some conspiracy stuff. They'd be like, well, what's the point of even talking about this? What's the point of even knowing about this? This is just, this isn't going to affect your life. All this does is make you think about things negatively. You know, you're not really positive. But for him, you know, that's a mild version compared to what he did. He was doing a very brave thing, but at the expense of his family. So my question for Daniel is, as always, was Jim Garrison a good father? Would you have done the same thing in the same situation? Or was he a bad dad? Should he have been like, I'm going to recuse myself from this case. We're not going to prosecute this because I want to live a normal life. Like my wife says, now I know Sissy Spacek at the end, she's at the trial and she's like proud of him kind of, kind of, but I think she had some pretty real fears during a couple of those scenes in the middle there where she's like, I'm taking our kids and leaving because I just, my, my daughter just got threatened on the phone. Uh, right. You know, right. I, and, and she seemed to think that he was actually crazy. That, yeah, that, at one point she's she's wondering whether or not she doesn't even believe him. Like half the stuff he's talking about. At one point he's like, "What? You didn't even you're not you don't believe me all this time. I've been telling you this stuff, and you didn't you're not on board with this." What I'm saying, right, right. And that reminds me with with my wife uh, when we were dating. I I used to preface almost <laughs> everything I would say like, "This might sound crazy, but," and this is yeah. back in my evangelical yeah, you're days. Jim Garrison character. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a tough question because I've, I've, of course, the hindsight of seeing the film and, and already distrusting government. I'm not in a position where Garrison, like, is a true blue patriotic believer in the, in the system and the process and all of these things. So I think that he probably had something that wasn't sitting right in his mind because he had sort of this conflicting view. He had, like, there's no way that this is even possible, but these official documents that I'm looking through do not make sense at all. They're obviously lying or covering something up and he just can't let it go. And so I, I, I can't really put myself in, in that position because I think they're all full of shit. Um, but to the point of him being so focused on the one thing at the detriment to his family. Yeah. That, that kind of pulls at me a little bit. Like I probably work, on more stuff and more things than I should. And I've really tried to, to tone it down a bit so that I can spend more time with my kids because this is time I will never get back. And uh, I think Sissy SpaceX said that to, to Costner's character in this, that, hey, you know, the, the kids are going to be growing up before you know it. And you can't get this time back. So I, I think that I probably yeah. wouldn't have gone as far as him, even though I think he was doing something that was right within the structure of the system and, and, and by you, bending the rules of that system. Okay. So you ultimately, well, you're not, you're not answering the question of whether he's a bad dad or not, but ultimately <laughs> was he, you know, was he successful in what he let out to do or was all that, that, that hell that he went through pointless? Well, so that's kind of unrelated in being a bad dad. Yes. I think he was kind of a bad dad. Was he successful? Well, he was successful in getting it to be part of public record. 
and he was successful in in writing a book about it and and then having a movie made about it and so now we're talking about it tonight so in in a certain respect there was some success some some change has occurred as a result of what he did whereas if the warren commission report had been the final say and that's it end of story you know we're not having this conversation and maybe okay. we're not you know dealing with conspiracy theories like that probably didn't get brought up until garrison started digging into this right the whole cia um uh creation of the term conspiracy theory so let me pose this hypothetical to you because we know how it turns out and we know how that story ends his kids live but suppose one of them didn't would it all have been worth it then what if some one of his daughters gets kidnapped raped murdered whatever and then the, the, the pair divorce and it just all ends in tragedy Yeah, I mean, that the challenge there is those things are possible irregardless. True, but you're drawing that attention to you by taking on willing, trained killer, murderer people. The deep state. Yeah, people who have no compunction about wiping you out. And well, I'm surprised. Perfectly I'm good surprised, at night. I'm surprised they didn't do that. Honestly. Well, they tried to discredit him. That's that's one of the tactics for sure. With all that bad press that he got, and they yeah. tried to make him out to be gay. Yeah. Now, when when the story broke in the movie, they looked at it as a bad thing. But then Garrison, I think, turned that around and was like, "Okay, because now we have all this publicity, they can't really." Um, right. Too much light is on you. Right now. Too many eyeballs. Right. So maybe whoever tipped off the press to that story did him a favor because had he been just some, you know, district attorney without the spotlight, maybe they just, you know, suicide him. You know, there was, there was yeah. a movie where there's like this black bag operation where like they break into the guy's apartment and inject something in his toe and no one could see it. And it looks like he had a heart attack. I forget the the name of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, jab him with the, the, the CIA cyanide injector thing with the, in the, in the umbrella. Right. Yeah. Dude had a heart attack with, you know, stressful job whatnot yeah um and who knows i mean they could have done that anyway uh even with the spotlight on him i mean look what they did to epstein you know yeah and there's no yeah. social media back then so it's not like people start putting two and two together right away and start memeing it right i just yeah. say though that if there's ever going to be another like public execution like this of a president though i mean with so many cell phones and whatnots out there it would have to be I don't know. They'd have to take it to the next level, you know? Well, that's an interesting point you bring up because there are some parallels, I think, to present day uh, in this film, at least presented, where they say that Kennedy stole the election mm -hmm. and people are upset about that. And it appears... Well, he did. <laughs> <laughs> but it appears there is potential impropriety uh, going on in this one, despite all of the reassurances by all the big tech and social media companies telling me that, oh, this is a totally transparent and uh, rigorous process. And there's no way that there could be election fraud, even though there's been election fraud in literally every election uh, ever in the history of elections. But we are assured now, um, Pete, I think you had a meme uh, recently that was uh, a tweet <laughs> from the Titanic, like, Oh, uh, we're a little worried about these these icebergs, and it had a fact check on it. It was like <laughs> icebergs are shown to be totally benign and safe. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, amazing that um, social media has is making 
is shaping the truth. And is, so immediately. Yeah. Well, like I mean, my, yeah, in real yeah. time. But it's a private company, bro. You yeah. Can't say anything about it. Totally fine. I like Was it uh, Diced or was it um, Rechtenwald who said, with how entrenched they are with government, you can't really consider them truly private anymore. They're sort of doing was, the behest of government. I think it was Rechtenwald. Um, I don't know. Jeff may have said that, but um, Rechtenwald, his speech in Lake Jackson two weekends ago uh, or a week and a half ago, he made that point. His whole speech was about how all of these social media companies were financed by the government. That's how they started with government mm -hmm. money and everything. So, yeah, that's and I've been saying that for a year and a half. But, you know, no one wanted to listen to me. It's a private company. So, you know, libertarians are going to be loaded onto boxcars and they're going to be not complaining because Walmart owns them. <laughs> the Walmart yeah. boxcars. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think you're totally right. And, and one of the things that really stood out to me was that they were live fact-checking, well, not even live fact-checking, but like immediately fact-checking um, tweets by Trump saying there is no evidence of election fraud, even though within the tweet itself, he's saying there's this evidence. Yeah. So it's, my, my point was, how could they possibly know? It's, it's new information. You know, they... I, I think it was Michael Malice who said, what if the president, or it was Dave Smith or Michael Malice said, what if the president came out and said, the earth is flat? Do you not i mean do you immediately censor him or are you like wait a minute let's hear him out he's the president he might know shit you know he might know something that we don't know what is he what is he saying here you know i mean if the president if trump came out tomorrow and said the earth is flat don't censor him i want to hear this you know i want i want to see if he's gonna <laughs> who he's gonna pull out there as an expert and what proof he has you know so what what's the difference i mean uh, uh, this election this election was stolen from me so you're going to you're going to censor the president of the United States because we're basically what we're seeing now is banana republic kind of stuff for the for the tech for the technocratic age. So mm -hmm. it used to be that in a banana republic election happened. Someone said, hey, wait a minute, I think there's some fraud here. They string him up, cut him open, let his intestines hang out. So that the whole town could see and they would stop asking these questions. Well, in the technocratic age, you just have the private companies say he's lying and the press say he's lying. And in the middle of an interview, if he starts saying something, you cut him off and say, this isn't true. I mean, how is how is that not like a coup? Yeah, a coup is taking place. You know, I mean, and I don't know that. I mean, things look really shady to me. You know, when you see, oh, 130,000 votes came in all for Biden and everything, and people are making excuses and whatever, yada, yada. But the fact that social media, I mean, I think, you know how Curtis Yarvin came up with the cathedral mm -hmm. where it's, you have the government, you have the, 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 um, the press and the universities. You have to put the social media companies in there now. They yeah. have to be added in there. You have to put Twitter and Facebook in there and Google. You have to put Google in there. I mean, this is this cathedral is huge. It needs to be burnt down, but we got to figure that out. Yeah, it seems like the conspiracy uh, of another coup d'etat that we're talking about in the movie, where there's all these different elements, the mob, the deep state, mm -hmm. 
military, CIA, intelligence community, et cetera. And now modern day, I, I saw somebody uh, post this the other day. It's like, I really hate how they're fighting World War III. Like that it's it's in your head, you know, it's 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 shaping your opinions, shaping what you can see and can't see. And Robert, we've talked about this many times in the past. You refute ideas with better ideas. You don't you don't uh, black them out and say, no, you can't hear this or you can't see this. You confront them and you say, why is this wrong or, or incorrect? And it's not the same as the fact checking that they're doing in the social media, because that's obviously very, very um, biased and usually laughably wrong anyway. But to hide something, it gives it almost a bit of a Streisand effect. You know, then people do seek it out. And uh, well, to be in their defense, though, that's what you have to do if you don't have the truth on your side. You've got to obfuscate and censor. So it's you, an don't admission. Have, you don't have better ideas with which to shine a light on these bad ideas. I mean, right. Yeah. It used to be go to straight to ad hum or, or poison the well or I don't like the source or whatever. And now it's no, just delete them, eliminate them, limit their voice. And Bob actually brought this up in the last portion of our show last week. He's like, well, we've got to remember, you know, these these uh, social media apparatus didn't even exist 20 years ago. However, and, and I wish I thought of this at the time, but they do exist and have existed for about 20 years. And people have invested a lot of time and it's become part of the culture, part of living. So you wouldn't go back and say, oh, cutting off somebody's electricity or running water uh, doesn't affect them. Well, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, people didn't even have that. So you could just extenuate Bob's argument, be like, well, running water isn't a thing that you need to worry about that didn't even exist uh, before this. You know, so I, I'm liking it to like, right. it's become part of your life. Right. And if if the CIA and the deep state aren't seeking to control social media and don't have their tentacles elbow deep inside Mark Zuckerberg's asshole, then they're not doing their job because social media is obviously a massively powerful tool with which to shape opinion. Right. Yeah. There was a great um, lecture by Tom DiLorenzo where he was talking about um, antitrust and how Bill Gates was a, was um, targeted uh, so that they would be able to bend him to their, you know, to go along, to get along. So he was out playing golf with uh, Bill Clinton or whatever. Meanwhile, they're like prosecuting a case against him, which it turned out later. Um, and I think this was a, an award-winning journalism thing. Uh, the case was fabricated against him by his competitors. Mm -hmm. I remember that. So anyway, yeah. we should get back to the movie a little bit. We're sort okay. of diverging. Well, right. well, the movie is all about conspiracies and that's what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So I guess everything fits in there. Um, what do you guys think of? Um, let's see. I, I, I wrote in the description of, of this episode that Oliver Stone is fighting with us for over three hours trying to get us to put on the damn glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's really, he kind of hits you over the head with the, so much information. It, it's I'm, I'm not surprised that the movie is over three hours long. It almost needs to be like a you know a ten part miniseries or something like that. Maybe like the Ken Burns style, like Ken Burns style or the Waco style or anything where you can take your time and kind of digest so much because it's really just like an info dump. And I would have to watch it multiple times to even begin to tell you names, places, dates, exactly who and how was each person was connected to who. There's just so much happening that you get a sense. You definitely walk out of the theater 
getting a sense that, oh, yeah, there's definitely conspiracy. I don't know exactly how it all happened, but you know that something smells nasty in the state of Denmark. But yeah, it, and then, of course, he doesn't have the exact probably, you know, he's probably speculating on a lot of what happened, of course, based on, you know, a couple of books that were written. But, you know, is, it's, it's, is, it, is it a better story than the Warren Commission? Yeah, of course. Well, unless you like fantasies. Yeah, unless you're like more of a Lord of the Rings fan, which is not to smash on Lord of the Rings fans. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. There's some good conspiracies in that, too. <laughs> Faramir? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Faramir. Okay. So I do I like did... how they... Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead, No, son of a bitch. Do it. All right, well, I, I brought up the implanting of false memories, but then there was also destroying records and altering evidence. Um, all of the interviews with Lee Harvey Oswald were, of course, conveniently not recorded or destroyed. So there's all these, um, all this smoke, right? And that's what Garrison saw uh, that, that led him to conclude that there must have been something nefarious going on, and that's what led him to drive into this further. But then we have the whole concept of conspiracy theory, which is used as a tool to blunt inquiry. Like if, if you just simply say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory, that's not meant to engage in further investigation. That's meant merely to dismiss and to say, no, that's just too crazy and how ableist of them uh, to, to, to be an actual thing. Uh, so it, it, it destroys curiosity. And I think that it plays really well in the NPC mindset because it's the... Um, they're the go along, get along types, right? Like whatever the prevailing thing is. Like uh, Tom Woods has made this point many times. You, you know the the famous picture of like all these guys like saluting. It's either the Sig Heil or, or a, a traditional um, U.S. salute, and there's one guy not doing it, and everyone's like, "I'd be that that one guy not going along." Bullshit. Yeah, ninety nine percent of people probably are going to be <laughs> going along with the group. And it's every very every progressive alive would have been turning in Jews in, in 1930s Germany. They're doing it now with the mask stuff. Yeah. You know? Of course. And I'm not yeah, trying I, to say it's the same, but but it's getting there. You know, they're making lists, right, of, like, people who are conservative or Trump supporters. To what end? They're already saying, like, so you can't have a job. You can't be a part of, like, civilized society. Like, they want to destroy you. They want to destroy your livelihood. It's, uh, it's not better, too far off. Yeah, I think Glad it's I'm a better. trained agorist. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's better in general. It's a better strategy for them to destroy who you are and discredit you. I think that it it makes people more afraid of being that person. You're more of an example to them because they don't necessarily they they of course they have the power to kill you and whatever, but they don't necessarily have massive all encompassing power. So the the conspiracy theories. You know, if you make it like a, a secret, I'm not really, how do I explain this? But you, if you can think that they're everywhere and they can strike at any time, it gives them more power. So you are, you know, you're less likely, you, you think it's like secret knowledge, you're more afraid of that information. Whereas like with the, the current regulations from the governor who say that you have to do this X, Y, and Z, and you can't do this and that and the other thing where it's it's basically relying on not only you to go along because you believe in this political authority, but also your neighbor to narc on you and to put pressure on you and other people to kind of police you, right? Because they can't 
they can't police it all. They don't, they're, they're a tiny little group. If you watch like Larkin Rose's The Tiny Red Dot, you know that we vastly outnumber these assholes and it's really our own kind of slave mentality that allows them to get away with the shit. Right, and it's even I mean. more so on display now. Like, and, right. and I, I, I brought this up so many times, like uh, I go through these periods of like almost depression about how, um, how outnumbered we are. Like it's worse than I thought, you know? Yeah. No, there's a lot of Karens and there's a lot of people that are just, you know, there's a, there's a, just the other day I had, I was sitting in the restaurant and I had a two, a couple walk up to me and they started asking me about these new regulations and whether I was going to follow them or not. And I had a decision to make at that point. I was like, who are these people and which way do they believe? And then I just tell the truth. I'm like, I, you know, I'll, I'll leave it up to the property owners since we rent these places if they want us to not do it. But ultimately, if it was up to me, I would be open all the time, fully, full capacity, whatever, because I, I don't give a shit about what the governor's dictates are. And that turned out to be the right answer. They were fully on board with me. And that was there. They were like, you know, it's not even legal what they're doing. They don't have the power to do this. Yeah. And I was like, right on, brother. But you had to be careful in how you presented it. Yeah, I totally feel that. But I had to be careful in how I presented. I couldn't just come off straight and cap voluntarist and be like, no, fuck <laughs> you. Yeah. Now, no. you were telling me a story about uh, going to the grocery store, the local grocery store there. And they're like handing out masks. And you're like, no, no, thanks. And then at the checkout, the lady's like, oh, it appears you forgot your mask. And you're like, no. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> my, favorite thing, my favorite thing was, though, is that when I walked in, there was a guy who was wearing this. It looked like it was like a faux police outfit, but it was like, you know, it was like something he got at like a, a Halloween costume store and it had a little star, but it was, you know, just printed on it. Just, it looked like from was a distance. A was he a stripper? <laughs> he was a store employee that they just put out there to intimidate and kind of, you know, get people to conform with their policy without actually having any kind of, you know, real threat. I'm sure it was pretty effective. Like um, uh, it was the Milgram experiment, like just have a lab coat and a clipboard. People would yeah. go along with uh, the request, you know, Milgram, Milgram has been debunked. Really? Yeah. You got some yeah. knowledge there, Pete? Yeah, in um, 2015 and 2016, people started looking into Milgram, and it's pretty debunked. We were actually going to have Milgram in our uh, documentary, and um, we, after we read the debunkings of it and everything, we decided not to. So I'm not going to mm. go deep into it right now, but yeah, Mil there's a lot of those uh, stats were played with. So interesting. I mean, like, are, are you suggesting that more people resisted than otherwise claimed? I'm saying that th some people may have been pushed to become more authoritarian than they actually were at the time. Hmm. So, yeah, you look it up. I mean, anyone can look it up. Go and look Milgram experiment debunked and read it for yourself and see what you think. I'm not saying I'm not saying 100 percent, but, it, you know, I we just decided there was enough there that we were just like, we're not going to put it in there. So, OK, I know that uh, he had intended to try to uncover why people went along with orders from superiors to do horrific acts in the Nazi regime. And so when you have that kind of um, drive or, or, you know, that sort of like what you're looking for, you'll, you'll maybe not intentionally, 
you'll find it even if it's not really there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it takes oh, the, the process. All we have to do is look at the police in this country to know that just following orders is um, a mantra of theirs. And my favorite is when I push them and I'll push a cop and they'll be like, well, you just need to you need to vote for better politicians. And I'll be like, you just proved my point. Hmm. You just proved my point that you're just going to follow orders. You're saying, oh, because and that's also a very dictator kind of thing. Well, you didn't do the right thing. So now we're going to oppress you. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, so yeah, because that's falling back on the well, I don't make the laws, I just enforce them. Yeah, so you need to vote for people who are going to make better laws. Yes. Well, then, and, and, yeah. yeah, they're admitting like, well, yes. whatever the law is, that's what I'm going to do. Pure Nuremberg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wild. All right. Well, uh, one other thing that I really liked about this film is that it opens on Eisenhower's military industrial complex speech. Yes which I think is super important and probably not listened to enough, but I think that he was absolutely right in that it will create a situation where there's these, this power that's either sought or unsought, but it's still there and will be acquired sort of similar to what I was just saying about if you have a goal in mind with an experiment that you're going to perhaps taint the process and how you get it. Similarly, when you have the goal of selling these armaments that you're going to maybe not even fully aware, push for conflict, push for the need for more of these things and using them. Yeah. Did you guys, this is, uh, this is unconfirmed, but I heard that when it looked like Biden was going to win, that the defense contractors like stock market bumped up quite a bit. You guys hear I that? Don't know. I don't know anything about that. I didn't hear that. Okay. Hmm. Well, I know, I do know back if you, I remember back when the original Iraq war, Iraq war started like in what, what was it? 2002, 2003, the original 91, two, not, well, okay. 2003, Iraq war two is 2003. Okay. Iraq war two. Yeah. 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 I remember looking up like bell helicopter, uh, general dynamics, Boeing, Raytheon, and they were all just going up, 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 up right as the war was building up. And, and it just, yeah, the war is a racket, it's a business. And yeah, of course they're going to have massive vested interests in whether or not they have sales or not. Well, in 2017, you remember when Trump sent I think it was 59 tomahawks into Syria, into a Syrian airbase and a bunch of pro-Trumpers got pissed off, I think um and culture like most famously was like what the hell are you doing and everything yeah raytheon stock went up the next day right I mean, it just went yeah it, it, i think it, it shot up like five dollars or something like that so yeah, wasn't that I mean, when cnn said he was that was like his first presidential thing he, he became he he this is his first presidential act really killing people as a president these fucking these people are fucking hyenas I, oh, vampires man now this I, is unsubstantial unsubstantiated but i heard that uh the targets that were destroyed were to minimize actual effective damage and killing i believe that's true i believe that they let them because i think there were russians there and killing russians yeah that'd be a really bad idea and they let them know way ahead of time so they basically dropped 59 bombs onto a um an empty air force base but still you know it's like what did that do i mean just 
it's a virtue Raytheon signal. Stock, yeah, yeah. It made Raytheon stock go up. I mean, it's you know because they're you got to buy back those fifty nine now. Because you have you have to be fully prepared. You know when when the Pashtuns in Afghanistan come with their air force to kill us. <laughs> yeah, man, gotta watch out. I can't. I can't stand it, man. It is the more you listen to Scott Horton, the more you're just like, I want to. I can't. I can't handle this anymore. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And and I think that that was uh, uh, setting the stage for Oliver Stone's kind of theory that there's all these elements within the state that would want Kennedy to be out of the way because he was thwarting this military industrial complex and and like trying to kneecap the CIA and all these other things. Um, but then. Uh, Beyond that, let's see. Um, I have a note here about it. Oh, there was there's the changing of the currency. Um, but basically, it's like so many groups would have come out better because Kennedy was out of the way. So you didn't even necessarily need them to know about each other working in concert. And so he sort of brings this up uh, when he's doing the court case where he's aggrandizing the whole th conspiracy theory. He's like, there's all these simultaneous uh, shooters and nobody knows if they're the one who actually did the shooting. I think they even, he, he even alluded to that maybe some of them thought that they had blanks or potentially had blanks. So it's sort of a Russian roulette situation. So they all have plausible deniability. You mean a firing squad type situation? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody's at fault and they could all say, Oh, it wasn't me or it wasn't definitely me. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. What, what do they say? They said um. It would be one person would be firing blanks, so no one would really know who was. They wouldn't know who was shooting actually if they took the kill shot or something like that. Yeah, and that's right. brilliant. That's brilliant actually. That's so um. Machiavellian. He's even um, Sun Tzu in Art of War. I mean, it's just, it's. <laughs> you know, I wonder if we should really have to give you have to give it up to those those people. They are deviously brilliant. I wonder if that now, would have um, given them a um, a leg up in like a lie detector test. Oh, sure. as well, like psychologically. Yeah. Now, are uh, Pete? Are you a betting man? Do um, not anymore. But there was definitely a day when I enjoyed going to the horse races, and um, yeah. Living in South okay. Florida, there was a harness track not too far from me. So, yeah. Well, in the film, Jim Garrison says that these documents are going to be unopen, unearthed in uh, within the next decade or so. What uh, what are what do you think the odds are on that actually happening? It's not going to happen. Um, Trump already tried to do it. Trump oh, really? To, yeah, Trump. Uh, or some of them, yeah. Of, yeah, released uh, some of them. And they said, well, these can't be released. I mean, I just don't think they're going to. We're at the point. We're, we're at the banana republic point. They're not going to allow anything to come out that's going to damage them. Um, JFK is the one conspiracy theory out of all of them that the majority of Americans, even if it's 51%, look at and go, yeah, that's kind of plausible. It's kind of plausible that they killed that guy. I, I don't think they're ever going to let everything that happened there come out because, or at least this, until everyone who's dead, who like, you know, bought into that, who was alive at the time, born shortly after the time. Um, I don't think that, that information's they're going to allow that information to come out. Right. And even even gotta, when they do, they, it's probably going to be like, oh, it was so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, look at those, those 
those terrible people they were alive back then were good people now. We would never do anything like that. And the assassination of JFK it would be more important to the average American than um, like the Gulf of Tonkin incident. And the Gulf of Tonkin incident has already been proven to be it didn't happen. admitted admitted yeah it, they admitted it didn't happen. And you know it's funny as Ray McGovern, you know former CIA chief who briefed um, President Reagan every morning on Russia. Um, so, Scott Horton asked him on a podcast how many people would have known that the Gulf of Tonkin incident didn't happen. He said 20 to 40,000. Oof. And they didn't say anything. Yeah, and, it's like, and that's that's the one thing that those who throw around the phrase conspiracy theory to try and shut you up and to try to marginalize you um, go to is, oh, no one could no one would keep this secret. And Ray McGovern, a CIA agent, says twenty to forty thousand people would have known that that didn't happen, and they all kept it secret. Didn't McNamara admit it before he died? Wasn't he in a documentary? Where he admitted that the yeah, Gulf of Tonkin didn't actually happen. Something like that. Not sure. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. But yeah, still, it, it nobody seemed time, to care. You would think at the time somebody would have been like, you know, they start escalating the war in Vietnam and someone's like, hey, wait a minute, you know, that, that actually didn't happen. No, it had what McNamara had to die. I mean, McNamara was what at the beginning of the war 40. So he probably lived till he was what 70, 70. I mean, so you're talking about into the 90s. So no one at the time said anything and all these people knew it. You know, and what's funny you know, is oh, I'm not going to say that too personal. My dad was military intelligence, so I'll, uh, I'll shut up. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe, maybe <laughs> offline. <laughs> maybe yeah. offline. But uh, yeah, speaking of the Gulf of Tonkin, and then we should start to wind this down, um, it seemed as though Stone was also sort of bringing up the concept that if they could blame the killing of Kennedy on the Cubans, that that would incite the American public into wanting to invade Cuba. So it would have been the Gulf of Tonkin, but before the Gulf of Tonkin, another false flag, like the remember the Maine situation or, or the Lusitania. And, but they already had the Bay of Pigs mm -hmm. incident. So it would have been after the Bay of Pigs incident. And that's one of the things I think didn't David Ferry allude to the fact in the movie that um, they would have had problems with, doing that because they well they were really upset over the bay of pigs all the um the revolutionaries and everything in the government um, right. i think david, david ferrier um said that there, there may be some problems trying to convince them to try and do it again if they wouldn't do it you know all at, at that time of the bay of pigs happened so right i think uh in the movie they said that uh, kennedy didn't provide air support yeah yeah and so they were right. very upset they were all all ready to go and and then uh, and then they raided their cl clandestine uh training camp like the feds raided and took all of their weapons shut it down yeah. yeah well i mean you know no one and one thing that they didn't mention in the did they mention i don't remember that did did they mention operation northwoods no no not, not in jfk yeah, you would have think you would have thought that that would have probably come up and it's really interesting that oliver stone left that out that was the that was the one where it was talking about hijacked planes going into buildings, right? Uh, that, well, it was the one where the, where they were going to have people that looked like Cubans go into Miami and start killing people. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that would have been. I, I I hadn't heard the planes into buildings that early yet. <laughs> that would be real interesting because it'd be like, can you imagine that? It's like, oh, Operation Northwoods, and we're going to do that. And then 9-11 happens. And you're like, yeah, that just, you know, 
what happened. No, I think that's a real thing. I think that um, really? jo- that Jones used early? to talk about it. They had, uh, they had in, in, the, in the plan was uh, to have it be a remote control somehow. But this is, you know, back in the 60s or 70s. So it, it would have been a pretty rudimentary like <laughs> mode of control. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that uh, that there is some something like that. And I'll have to look it up and I'll, I'll uh, s- send you the link or the name of it. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Robert, you might know. I used to listen to Jones. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think you're both right in some sense from what I remember. Um, I, yeah, and I'm sure it's in loose change. I'd have to go back and look at, at Northwoods. but I'm sure the name the of point, it's in loose change. The point of Northwoods was that it was a false flag operation meant to incite you know, war. And yeah, popular support. In, right, to kill civilians. And it got up to Kennedy's desk. Or McNamara's desk, one or the other. Right. It, 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 like, it was like high up in the government was the point. It was like, the, it was kind of talking about all the people who would be like, well, no, the government would ever carry out 9-11 because, you know, you got all these good people in the government. It's like, well, look at Northwoods. Right. They the fact that they're considering yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And we know there's, I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of great, great people in government. <laughs> oh, yeah. The best. Wonderful. Yeah. Only the best. Yeah. Only yeah, the Hayek's best. got a great article about why the, the cream rises to the top. top. You know what I mean? The what'd cream. You, what'd you say about Hayek? Yeah. He has a great uh, article about why the worst rise to the top. It's uh, chapter 10 of Road to Serfdom. Oh, yeah. 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 So, and anyone who wants to read that book, start at chapter seven. Chapter one through six are irrelevant. Just start at chapter seven because if you start at chapter one, you might just put it down. Just FYI. Okay. Yeah. Ticks and tricks and tips from P. Quinones. Life hacks. I try. I try. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, get into final summary and review, unless either of you have any other final points you want to make before we get into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've we've kind of talked about it. It's it's too complex of a film to really break down scene by scene or anything like that. It's more of a gestalt of a film. Mm-hmm. You can talk in broad strokes. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready anytime you want to start. Okay. Uh, how about you, Pete? Say that again. Ask question. Uh, do you have any final points you want to make before we get into final summary review? I think the one scene that really stuck out to me, and I don't know why, is a scene after um, Jim watches Bobby Kennedy get killed, and he goes into the bedroom to talk, to, to to wake up his wife and let her know, and she looks at him and goes, "Both brothers." That for some reason, when I was a normie, just not, you know, not a libertarian, that stuck with me and like was emotional to me. Was, you know, they would, that the government would actually take out pretty much a third, two thirds of a family at that point in order to make sure that whatever they had going on would keep going on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, basic is a great actress. Um, she, she really is. And that was it, it just really stuck with me. And when I was watching it this morning, again, getting ready for this, I was waiting for that scene to see if it hit me as hard as it did back then and everything. And it still was I thought it was still pretty powerful. And she actually does have a tear, which yeah. is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think you're right. It, it almost pulls on the same strings as uh, Saving Private Ryan, yeah. where. Right. You know, they were... great... I, I, I'm so anti-war, but that movie is so great. And I, could, I mean, I just, I'm transfixed every time that's on. It's just, you're just like, oh, yeah, watching that, you know? 
Yeah, we had a great episode with uh, Prof. CJ on that one. For oh, um, yeah, that was what in July, right? Yeah, Finally got to meet him face to face at Tom Woods at Tom Woods' house a couple a uh, few weeks ago. What a cool dude, man! Oh, great guy. Oh yeah, and you guys did a um, you did a discussion we, about some horror movies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about um, two 1985 horror movies, Fright Night and Return of the Living Dead, and it was mm. uh, just a long episode of us just geeking out on 80s horror. It was pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll um, I'll post that on our show notes page. I, I know I said I would do that on our last episode, but I, I'm a lazy son of a bitch. So I haven't done it. But <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you know what's funny about that episode is that's like one of my least downloaded episodes in like the last six months. It's just like I put out a Halloween episode with reviewing a couple horror movies, and it's just like everybody's just like, eh, screw you. <laughs> oh, see, we're in the wrong niche, Robert. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like fun to me. <laughs> all right well robert why don't you lead us off with uh your final summary review and, and give me um how many gunshots uh, out of 10 okay so i don't know if my review is going to be the actual number of shots fired that day but um this it's i think this is one of the first i mean we just did they live which is also pointed to this kind of like blue pill red pill situation and there's the matrix blue pill red pill this is also a big red pill for the American people. If for anybody that still had illusions about, you know, oh, the government would never do that. Or, you know, they're normally great people. And then there's just, you know, a few bad eggs that get in there and do bad things. I think this is a great film to watch to kind of open your eyes about that. So that these are people who have big money at risk and are not afraid to crack a few eggs to make their war omelets. So um, there's a, the, my, not my favorite scene at all, but just there's the character of the, the investigator who eventually leaves. And he's like, this is too much for me. I'm out. But at one point they're arguing, Jim and him are arguing. And he's like, are you calling the president a murderer? And for me, it was just kind of funny because, yeah, yeah, like they're all murderers, like thousands of times over, almost all of them. I, I call them all murderers. What? What? But at the time, and for that guy, you know, growing up drinking the Kool-Aid, uh, it's unthinkable, right? Because, you know, the U.S. is the good guys and they wouldn't do such a thing. It, we're all the good guys. The bad people, they live in those other countries. You know, they live in the Russias and the... The, the the sandy countries and the desert countries and just any other places where there's you know oil and resources that people want and things to fight over and stuff like that it's not you know it's not us we're we're the good ones and you just it just you know it's the the education system just doing a great job propagandizing to the people it, we, you got to get them young you got to get them young and you got to get them thinking that you know we're the good people and that you haven't been hijacked and that, that the government and the nation are is is integral and absolutely necessary to your life and to the lives of everybody and the livelihoods of everybody. That is absolutely essential. Otherwise, you get people questioning and you don't want that. And like we talked about today with the, the social media, um, they are really working hard to crack down on independent thought and critical thought. So this is this is one of the foundational films, I think, for. Uh, you know, that questioning libertarian mind. I, I think it's fantastic. I think if this is a, this is like a nine 
gunshots from the grassy knoll out of 10. It's, I don't think it's the best movie. I don't think that this is like a movie that's like a Casablanca good. I think it's more of an information dump. So it's not, you're not going to get everything. You're not going to get the romance. You're not going to get the interesting characters that necessarily, there's all kinds of interesting characters, but you know, it's more about this, what happened than it is about, you know, a compelling narrative, even though there's plenty of compelling narrative. So it's, I wouldn't say that this is like a perfect movie, but it is really, really highly recommended, recommended viewing for pretty much everybody. So for that reason alone, and it's also Costner's one of his best performances, you got like Pete was talking about, you got amazing actors, Tommy Lee Jones, you know, you just got all these great people who are just in like small roles. I mean, not necessarily small roles, but it's like all this talent came together and it's, it's all on display. You know, it's, it's something to behold and I'm glad it's made. And uh, yeah, uh, nine out of 10 gunshots from the grassy knoll, Daniel. Wow. Well, so one looker from the grassy knoll gives nine gunshots. And how about the other looker? So, uh, so wait, 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 it was like a 10, <laughs> but one of them fired a blank. So it's nine bullets. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pete, what's your, uh, what's your rating and review? I just love all the information that comes out in it. Um, there's so much there. The the Donald Sutherland character talking about the military. Basically, he's like the one exposing the military industrial complex. He said, find out how much Bell Helicopter made. Find out how much Northrop Grumman made. That's such a great character. I don't know how much is true about him saying that he was down in Australia and all this information was coming out. Um, before information was coming out in the United States. I mean, that's kind of hard to gauge. We don't have anything. And even if that was made public at one time, it's probably disappeared by now. Um, again, the, I mean, Kevin Bacon, just insane role. Um, John Candy with his, like a hipster, like a proto hipster, just saying all these weird things. I mean, um, Joe Pesci, as David Ferry, I mean, just over the top. I mean, somebody who um, I just love the fact that it is like his whole character is like, if I would have just been a priest, everything would have been OK. If they would just allowed me to be a priest, even though the fact that I was a homosexual, you know, everything would have been OK. <laughs> There's just so many great characters. And really, the one thing that I always go back to on this is that. I saw this in 1991 when it first came out. I don't think I, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it when it came out on VHS. Two God, two VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah, two VHS. If I'm not mistaken, I may still have them. I may still have this, but um, you know, just showing my age. God, um, the the fact that I was a normie didn't know. I didn't even know what the term libertarian was at the time, and I was just fascinated by this movie. And I'm just like yeah, I really think the government could do this. I really think they could get away with it and everything. So um, I give it, I don't give it nine. I give it eight and a half, 6.5 by 52 Carcano rounds. Very specific. <laughs> Thank you. Because that's, that. well, they, they say that's the round that killed them, but um, the pristine bullet that was found uh, <laughs> yeah, in the morgue. Right. Yeah, it's like, come on. Or <laughs> the first time I heard that, I'm like, are you serious? Have none of you even shot? A, I mean, I remember shooting around through a, an engine block, and we went and dug it out, 
and the thing mm. was just completely shredded and everything or yeah. anyone who's ever shot a deer when you dig the round out i mean what does the round look like come on yeah and that's the magic one that's supposed to have shattered like seven different bones right <laughs> come on it's yeah. ridiculous yeah the, the magic loogie <laughs> so, what did i say eight and a half you did yeah, eight, and a half. eight and a half yep there you go all right well very good well I, I appreciate both of your opinions and, and in the triangulation of fire here, I'm going to be the third, uh, not on the grassy knoll and not in the book depository, but whatever the other position was. But uh, yeah, I haven't seen this in a long, long time, but it really holds up well. It's one of those timeless movies that I think you could watch, you know, a few decades from now, it'd still be good. Um, it is a very nice way of like opening up people's minds to the possibilities right and, and as i mentioned earlier stone was not necessarily saying that this is like totally you know historically accurate but he was offering a counterpoint to what he knew was an inaccurate warren report so uh, it, by having the counterbalance you at least have the idea that maybe there's something else going on here and it, it kind of inspires the the viewer to look into it deeper and I think that um, that's a very beneficial thing. Like if we were to, to just buy in everything that, that the government tells us or what quote unquote science tells us, then we wouldn't have much of a life uh, before too long. So uh, having something like this that is, I mean, I think it's almost a revolutionary movie. It's, 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 it's a movie that I'm surprised even got made. If, if, if you really consider the, the, the ideas of how much went into the events that it's depicting and how much has gone into uh, Hollywood and influencing culture and how movies and television and, and other entertainment gets made. I'm, I'm surprised that Stone didn't get got to and um, thwarted or prevented in doing what he wanted. Uh, so for that, I, I think it's, uh, it's an amazing uh, accomplishment. And I was reading a little bit into Stone's um, positions, political positions, and they say that he comes from a, like a leftist uh, viewpoint. However, he... He's a, he's a commie. But he also supported Ron Paul on his um, uh, anti-interventionist stances back in 2012. But he did, and I, I think this is a quote, he said, but he's a mess domestically. So yeah, I think you're right that that he's one of those um, progressive types who's anti-war, but economically illiterate. Yeah. Like a Jimmy Dore type. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so they can be good on like a lot, wall. like the big important yeah. stuff. But when it comes to you know, the day-to-day -day affecting like our day-to-day -day lives um, in a non-war capacity. I'll take a principled leftist who's anti-war. I mean, oh, yeah. you get so oh, yeah. few principled leftists about anything. So, did, yeah. did you say principled leftist? I know, it's a <laughs> contradiction in terms, right? Yeah, but they're sticking to something and uh, and that's good. So Stone seems to be good, Door's good, and Greenwald is good. I think uh, I think we'd all kind of agree on that. But uh, as far as the film goes, I think it's it's revolutionary and and it's amazing that it got made at all now as a movie yeah. i think you're right that it's not like a great story or like uh i don't know there's not like this amazing plot or all of that kind of elements it's more almost documentary style but we've already sort of stated that it's not historically accurate it's like a think piece and if that's how you approach it i think it, it accomplishes that very well so i'm also going to give it a nine nine shots cool. ring out in this november night or November day. 6.5 by 52 Carcano. That's right. Bolt <laughs> action. 5.3 whatever I've seconds. Actually, I've, 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 actually, 
I've actually shot one of those. And here's the thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of kick on it. So mm-hmm. if if you want to really actually believe within like 5.7 seconds, the third shot Being was the one kill shot. From the front when he oh, would have behind it. Oh, go fuck yourself. I mean, it's yeah. like, and I know people who bend to Dealey Plaza. I've never been to Dealey Plaza. Um, I know people who bend to Dealey Plaza and go, oh, well, you know, if you look at it, you know, it's really only 88 yards. So the shot was less than a football field. Most people don't realize that. Most people think it's like this really long shot, but it's less than a football field. But still, the third shot on a bolt action rifle that kicks like a mule. Uh, I'm sorry. No, that that would have had to been pure luck, and I'm sorry, I don't believe in pure luck when when it comes to ballistics like that. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and assassins wouldn't leave that up to one one oh, would, lone killer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, to, to believe, oh, I'm just a psychopath who went to Russia and then came back, and I ended up hating Kennedy. I ended up hating Kennedy, so I'm going to kill Kennedy, and it's just like. The hell are you talking? It's just the most absurd. Story it's a fantasy ever. story told it's so for children. Ridiculous, man. <laughs> right? And wasn't wasn't everyone upset with him for being like, quote unquote, pro communist? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so ridiculous. And then you see that. Have you ever seen the picture of him? Allegedly, he went to Mexico City and tried to go to the Russian embassy in Mexico City, and they have a pic. There's a picture that of was him. in the movie. Yeah. That was yeah. in the movie. And, the, the, and the, the, the second Oswald or the third Oswald. Yeah, the third Oswald, who's like 275 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, I believe that. It's like the fat Bin Laden. You know, you got to have... <laughs> 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 yeah, with all the perfect makeup? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know. But it's like stage makeup. It's not like... Um, it's not like for, for a movie, you know. <laughs> this is important. You got to have a couple different copies. You know, can't leave the chance. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, uh, get sick. I think this was a, a, a good movie and a good discussion. And, and Pete, I thank you for coming on for this and also oh, for hooking us up with a costume movie. How am I not going to come on? That's yeah, right. Baby. You know what? We got to have you back. Um, and I, I I think we should do Bull Durham during like spring oh, training yeah. if that ever happens. Oh, yeah. Mm. And uh, then, well, you know, let's see. Uh, uh. And, you know, if, if that's too far in the future, who knows? Maybe the bodyguard. I'm not doing that. Oh, yes. Perfect day. Fine. I'm not. I'm not doing the bodyguard. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I just can't do it, man. It's, I can't do I can do a lot of cheese. I can't do that one. <laughs> well, we'll always love you anyway, Pete. <laughs> but yeah, Perfect Day. I think that would be a great film to do. Oh, love that movie. All right. And, and speaking of great films to do, uh, apparently, Robert, next week, we're going to do uh, a, a good movie that didn't get a whole lot of uh, play, like a lot of no, not a lot of notoriety, but it's a movie called High Rise. Uh, and we're going to be doing that with James Gentleman of Urban Agrist, who we Love were James. guests. Yeah, he's a great dude. And uh, we were guests of his uh, recently um, a couple of weeks ago. And I think you were too, right? Pete? Yeah, they, yeah, he released mine. Yeah, yeah. It, so- it, it, it was nice to listen to it so I could remember what I said. <laughs> That's how I feel every episode. <laughs> <laughs> People don't realize that about podcasters. We're like, all right, that was cool. What the hell did I say? Oh, my what God. was that about? What are we- I have no idea. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Every time I go in after recording, I'm, I ask my wife because she's watching, and I'm like, "Was that any good?" I don't know what I said. Yep. <laughs> so beats me. I don't know. I was there. That's all I know. Right. Well, uh, anyway, this was really good, and uh, people can check you out at libertarianinstitute.org. 
the monopoly on violence.com and also freemanbeyondthewall.com. 500th episode coming out on Thursday. Please do not think I'm a fascist after it is released and you listen to it. <laughs> All right. I'm intrigued. I will definitely listen to that one now. <laughs> That's a great achievement. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, uh, Thank you, our audience, for listening. And if you want to support us in any way, if you like what we do here, go to our uh, Patreon page at lastnightish.com slash Patreon. Throw a few shekels our way. And we will give you pre-show and post-show bonus content and uh, anything else we can think of. Uh, we've got a nice little group um, going on on Facebook that uh, is probably going to get kicked off before too long. So I'm actually over on MeWe now also. So uh, any listener who's interested, connect with me on MeWe. We also have an actual Anarchy page there. Uh, and soon to be a Last Nightish page because this is the Last Nightish portion of the show. Uh, I've been having too many uh, Molotov cocktails here. Anyway, um, this has been our episode on JFK. So thank you, Pete. And we will uh, be on with James Gentleman next week with High Rise. And uh, hopefully you can stick around for a little bit longer for our post-show bonus content. Uh, But uh, yeah, check this out at lastnighters.com slash 151. That's where you can find the show notes and more. And there's going to be a lot of stuff. We, we, We mentioned so many things. So look for that. And uh, we'll see you guys all next week for High Rise. Peace out.